Namaste. So there is a question which uh, people often ask how to prove the existence of God. And uh, as we know, people who are expert at debating and reasoning, they can uh, flip the argument in either ways. Though there are many, um, many indicators, purely to the pure reason, even based on sensory evidence, which indirectly would confirm the existence of God. And the reasons are very simple. If you look at uh, order emerging in cosmos out of chaos, if you look at um, how the fine intricate balance is maintained in creation, how there is an intelligence that operates through countless creatures, from the atom to plant life, animal life and right up to human. So uh, it will be difficult in fact to disprove uh, the existence of God and say that all this is a random chance, accident, chaos etc. etc. Uh, least of all that out of nothing all this universe has emerged like as if from some magician hat. But that's a different thing altogether because people often want uh, the evidence of the senses. Now, one thing we must understand that the evidence of the senses has always to be uh, reconfirmed or has to be understood by applying reason. And reason has to further refer itself to buddhi. In India, we have this term, buddhi, higher intellect. And the buddhi has to refer itself to the great self. That's how the whole hierarchy goes. Uh, to take an example, reason um, says that the earth is flat. There are a lot of people who believe it. According to reason, evolution is not there because we don't see it happening. According to the senses. According to the senses, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So this is all according to the senses. But we know that this first evidence is changed when we change the vantage point. So same way, uh, the sensory evidence works within very small limitation and that we all know. And based on this small framework of senses, when we apply reason, it itself is uh, faulty. But here in this aphorism that we are going to read, Shurabindu with his sense of humor uh, says something very interesting. And the aphorism is aphorism number 12 from Thoughts and Aphorisms, uh, Mother's Commentary, Volume 10. The thought and aphorism is, they prove to me by convincing reason that God did not exist. So they obviously refers to the material scientist, not all scientists. Because there are scientists who when they look at the universe cannot but end up believing that there is something tremendous, something powerful, something like a cosmic intelligence. But there are material scientists who don't wish to see beyond the tip of the nose. And so he says he takes a dig at them. They prove to me by convincing reasons that God did not exist and I believed them. Mark the word believe. So this another kind of belief that people carry. Why? Because somebody has convinced you with reason and you believe that person and his logic and his reasoning. Then Shubhinda continues, afterwards I saw God. Now he did not only see God. For he came and embraced me. Now this is too powerful. And like last time I was mentioning in the talk on Sanatana Dharma, in India, God is not only heard. We don't only hear the voice of God. Of course, we hear the voice of God. It comes in various ways, including all the inspiration, like we have certain scriptures or inspired scriptures. But in Indian thought, there is also the uh, experience of seeing God 
of touching God, embracing God, of tasting God, that nectar of immortality. So all these things are there as part of the Indian uh, mystic experience. That's why it is said that he is all madhur madhur, sweetness embodied. So uh, he came and embraced me and now which am I to believe? The reasonings of others or of my own experience. So everything that Mother and Shurabindo said we must understand is not based on simply reason and intellectual analysis. In fact, Shurabindo says, makes it very clear in one of his writings that people talk about in foundations of Indian culture, in fact, that people talk about big debates and assemblies where people used to debate whether Brahman is there or not. He says that's not true. Debates came much later. They did not discuss and debate what do you know it used to be or how do you rationally prove something. They used to say, what have you known and what have you seen? What have you seen and what have you known? Which is a different thing altogether from what do you think or what do you feel or what do you believe is truth. So, uh, Shobindo says that should I believe my own experience and both mother and Shobindo had a host of experiences and realizations. Uh, so many that to uh, count them would be <laughs> itself an exhaustive list. Many of them, for those who want to uh, check it out, uh, we see in their poems, collected poems of Shirobindo, mother's writings. And of course, <coughs> we have Savitri, where <laughs> Shirobindo describes his own and the mother's experiences. So the mother makes uh, certain comments on this aphorism. Shirobindo is not asking a question. Why? Because it ends with a question mark. Whom should I believe? My own experience or the reasoning of others? So she says, Shirobindo is not asking a question, but rather making an irony comment. So to most of us, it's very obvious that uh, he's not asking question, but for those of us who are lost in semantics <laughs> and verbal didactics, is Shirobindo doubting his own experience? Is he asking someone whether I should believe in my own experience or somebody else's reasoning? So the mother is saying, no, he is making an irony comment. Now, irony is, as we know, is something where certain things which is obvious and yet it is sort of veiled. So there is this very gentle irony, subtle irony, which we often find in Shurbindo's writings, uh, where it, something is very self-evident and yet it is presented in a way that uh, it looks to everybody else as if it's not so evident. It is to bring out clearly the stupidity of the reasonings of the mind, which imagines it can speak of what it does not know. It is nothing else. And it's very obvious if God could be understood uh, rationally or known by the mind, then he would not be anything greater than the mind. Then mind would be God, technically speaking. But as we know, mind itself has come much later in the evolution. At least mind as we understand. Certainly human mind has come much later. So to believe that human mind is God means that this human mind in some way was present which has organized this whole framework of intelligence and creation. So actually that argument is a non-starter. And the mother is pointing it towards that, that it is stupidity. It is stupidity of the reasonings of the mind which imagines it can speak of what it does not know. It is nothing else. 
So the material scientist is perfect in his own field and he should stay with that. The biological scientist is very good when he plays with genes and cuts them and uh, combines them. But when he starts speaking about God, and same is with psychologists, typical traditional psychologist who is observing human behavior. So he can certainly speak about human behavior as he has understood. Not that anything has to be taken as gospel truth. But when they start speaking of soul and God, then one is overstepping his limits. It's like a very good cricketer, even the god of cricket as they say, can't start commenting on football or kung fu. It will look absurd on the very face of it because there are limited uh, limitations of the field. When you know how to use it, it means reason and have mastered reasoning and deduction, you can prove anything. On the same data, you can prove it this way, you can swing it that way. It's a simple mind game and everybody who has gone through the schooling process knows it. So there used to be debates in favor or against and people could choose sides. Basically, you could give points in in favor of something you could give points against something. So it's an elementary mind exercise. As a matter of fact, there is, this is an exercise that is given in universities. To make the mind supple, you are given a thesis to prove and immediately afterwards with equal conviction, you have to prove its antithesis. And in fact, uh, it should be the same person who once speaks in favor, then against, and then one should find where the two join, how to harmonize and synthesize them. In the hope that if you rise a little above both, you will discover the synthesis. Therefore, once it is conceded that anything can be proved, it follows that reasoning leads nowhere. Because if you can prove something and in the next moment prove its opposite, this is the proof that your proofs are worthless. So does it mean that reason has no place? No, as we have seen, reason has its own place. Everything has its place. Put it in its right place, it's wonderful. So what is the office of reason? Shubindu discusses it at several places. So office of reason is to organize the truth it receives. So normally it receives all truths actually when they are not heard from someone, they come from and, and turn into a belief system, they come through a process of insight. And this insight is a kind of veiled intuition. But then the reason picks it up. And as Shobindo says, it must go through the uh, whole process of reason where it changes a dress. It wears the dress which is suitable for reason. And it's like when you enter an operation theater, even if you are not the surgeon, you're just going to see someone. You have to kind of wear the official dress of the operation theater. Or like in, during corona times, you have to change your dress entirely to visit a patient. So the same thing applies here that truth comes from above and uh, when it enters the human mind, reason uh, makes it wear the official garb so that it can be acceptable. So that's what we see uh, very often. It is being done and it can be done this way or that way. So reason has its place. Reason has its place in organizing sense data and to an extent to apply its own analysis when it comes to certain um, material evidence of the material senses reason also has a place in disciplining the vital so reason is very important to make us reasonable people so that we don't let the vital just go in any kind of direction in any kind of imaginative uh, excursion so reason has a place there 
but reason cannot know truth and god and soul for that other faculties are needed faculties which can be developed through yoga which do develop through yoga uh, both subjective and objective and through which one can have the pratyaksha praman the direct experience of god there is experience for a simple heart a sincere and honest nature a nature which knows that its experience is sincere that it is not a falsification of desire or of mental ambition but a spontaneous movement which comes from the soul the experience is absolutely convincing so the value of experience of the soul and god is when it arises spontaneously there is no vital desire or mind is not fabricating something it wants to have an experience or there is an ambition that if i have this experience i'll be regarded as a yogi or when none of these things are there and there are number of instances i mean uh, that was one thing which was there uh, when man was uh, leading relatively a simple life for example uh, i have seen in my village and i'm sure in many people have seen our roots are there in the villages that when someone fell sick they prayed to god and when the person recovered they they were convinced it is the grace of god i mean i i remember when i would fall sick my father would take me keep in front of his deity lord rama and say aap sambhalo you take care and when i would recover he said ram ji ki kripa thi now this this used to happen not only with one event but many different circumstances they would refer to god and eventually things would get sorted out so uh, they have a right rationally also to uh, be convinced that there is something called as god's grace but if you have to prove it so there would be many things ifs and buts is it a coincidence is chance how many times apply statistical data etc etc does it happen to everybody in any part of the universe uh, that is um, not always possible because there are plenty of inner and outer conditions so god uh, does not mean an impossible miracle and these simple people with a simple heart had a spontaneous opening that is the beautiful part whereas with the advent of the mind and the complex reasoning that opening is largely closed doubt skepticism all this has now taken over so that's why it's uh, uh, much less frequent i have even heard earlier people would dream of god of divinity and some kind of experiences they would have but which becomes rare and rare because now the mind has gone into a different groove altogether uh, it will come out but uh, nevertheless that direct spontaneous simplicity in which uh, the experience took place is lost it's true also of civilization when we read about the vedic rishis so we see that you know they had a visitation from god and they uh, saw them and spoke to them so a modern person may well disbelieve but fact is that living in that kind of surrounding uh, a life less hampered with all the trappings of a modern uh, gadgets uh, was much more open directly to commune with nature and shurbindo describes that in savitri when he says that you know savitri was nurtured among the woods uh, where you know one was less hampered with all those things which today we regard as artificial necessities or they become necessities there was time people could sit and or stand and stare as you know the great poet says so all this is lost now because there is such a speed of modern civilization so it's not that they didn't uh, have it they had it we have lost our ability to have it 
and of course we will regain it no doubt about it and when we regain it the realization will be far more complex and uh, vast and all embracing but um, there was a time when these experiences and realizations were very natural and spontaneous we see this in one of the movies recently there was a very good hindi film on this called kantara so it's about you know those villagers who are experiencing varavatar and and it's so true and uh, at least many of us have actually known these kind of things growing up in childhood then we also when we entered into that rational age rational cycle of our development and went to schools colleges we we started losing it uh, you become an agnostic then again you regain it after completing a curve and perhaps many don't so this is where uh, she says that when this experience occurs spontaneously without any falsification fabrication then it is something very beautiful it is absolutely convincing it loses its power of conviction when the desire to have an experience so she is cautioning us don't try to have an experience you should not have a desire that i want to have this experience and least of all when it is mixed with ambition it loses the power of conviction when the desire to have an experience or the ambition to think oneself very superior becomes mixed with it so she is cautioning especially we have many uh, new kind of yoga movements where you are told that you will have this experience if you do this practice and then the mind starts playing so she cautions let the experience arise in the spontaneity and candidness of a childlike heart and a soul that is open to the divine don't limit it don't fix it by this idea that this is what the experience must be and we see how this kind of limiting the divine experience led to such catastrophes i mean john of arc she used to um, see god and hear and because it was believed that nobody else can she not supposed to have it she was burnt at the stake and same we see in many uh, sufi movements sufis who were beheaded killed because they said we feel one with god but you are not supposed to feel one with god because only one person has the right to receive god's teachings and transmit it leading to so much of uh, uh, fanaticism and fundamentalism so she says that if you two things we must be careful about we should not be wanting to have an experience and this ambition that if i have an experience i am somebody superior if one has an experience it is grace and nothing else if you have that in you i think perfect example is shurbindo after the experience he had of vasudevam sarvamiti i just wonder how he was so normally coolly communicating with everyone and people would come speak to him nowhere you feel that you know he is a, he is showing off as somebody very superior you are talking to me you are trying to tell me i know very well i had this experience no with such perfect humility and that's why the mother has said that the example of humility if you want to see one ishwar bindu and there is no doubt about it because he has achieved so much he is as such even humanly in every way uh, brilliant uh, intelligent compassionate call it whatever a perfect example even of a um, wonderful human being and yes with all the spiritual experiences and realizations yet his humility in fact more so because of that it becomes so extraordinary and remarkable so she says she cautions us uh, because desires and ambitions falsify experience 
Um, so she says, if you have that in you, which means ambition and desire, then beware, because desires and ambitions falsify experience. The mind is a formative power, and if you have a very strong desire for something very important and very interesting to happen to you, you can make it happen, at least in the eyes of those who see things superficially. So she is cautioning us, when you sit before the divine, be like a child, open and simple. Give yourself. Don't try to have this or have that. But apart from these cases, if you are honest, sincere, spontaneous, and especially when experiences come to you without any effort on your part to have them, and as a spontaneous expression of your deeper aspiration, then these experiences carry with them the seal of an absolute authenticity. So she is reminding us that authentic experiences arise spontaneously in a consciousness which is open, not seeking it, not filled with ambition or desire, not filled with this idea that if I have this experience, I am going to be someone superior. In fact, all true divine experiences make us humbler because we are suddenly confronted with the infinity of God. So they carry with them the seal of an absolute authenticity. And even if the whole world tells you that they are nonsense and illusion, it does not change your personal convictions. Why? Because um, they carry with them the certitude. And you know that they have come spontaneously. But naturally, for this, you must not deceive yourself. You must be sincere and honest with a complete inner rectitude. Someone has asked me, how is it possible for God to reveal himself to an unbeliever? Now this also touches this idea in religion that only to these people who are believing in this way, they can have an experience of the divine. Well, divine doesn't care for that. Uh, he comes, uh, like there are instances of Jagai and Madai, um, Augustine, many others where the divine Saint Paul uh, or rather Saul of Tarsius to whom the divine came. And of course the divine takes that form to which we are accustomed. But nevertheless the divine, he came to Valmiki um, of Ratnakar in fame. He came to Angulimal. So you can't say that only a believer should have an experience. Very often one may not, simply because one is a believer and one has fixed the format within which the experience should arrive. So we have this story of Shobindo Swapna where this man is a very childlike uh, and he spontaneously questions God like a child would and well God appears before him. So a very interesting story, uh, this believer and unbeliever, this is a very strange word because you may be a believer outside and yet an unbeliever inside and vice versa. So there is the story, it's a story, but story which communicates something. So uh, there was a pandit and he used to take this katha and there used to be these uh, people who would uh, come to listen to him. So one day uh, the uh, whole river was on spade. Some of them used to come from the other side. And the milk uh, person turned up. And he asked him that, how did you come? The river is in spade. He said, no, nothing. You said that take the name of God and uh, nothing will happen. So I took the name of God and I came, nothing happened. So the pandit was aghast because he was saying this, but deep inside, he himself didn't believe that it is possible. So this believer and non-believer is a very uh, 
dubious term. The divine does not care so much about our surface belief and non-belief as he cares about our deeper aspiration and faith. So the mother says, someone has asked me, how is it possible for God to reveal himself to an unbeliever? Then she replies, that's very funny. Because if it pleases God to reveal himself to an unbeliever, I don't see what would prevent him from doing so. He acts in absolute freedom and with a deeper wisdom. On the contrary, he has a sense of humor. Shobinda has told us many times already that the Supreme has a sense of humor. It's we who have turned him into a very stern judge. Extremely serious. Of course, this sense of humor is not a frivolous thing, but something deep within. He is full of that joy of creation. So he has a sense of humor that we are the ones who want to make him into a grave and invariably serious character. And we see that in many religions. There are religions which have painted God in the image of a stern, cold judge who they, they say compassionate, but there is no compassion because he governs everything according to a fixed law. And um, Shubhinda says that, well, that's not the idea, at least in India, of uh, who God is. And he may find it very amusing to come and embrace an unbeliever. So we uh, have this idea that he doesn't like to play. And the mother says, play with the Lord, laugh with the Lord. He loves to laugh. He loves to play. After all, he has created this world in delight. So perhaps if we are too serious... He may well think that, well, uh, maybe let him sit quietly, close his eyes. I'll go to somebody who is a little more playful. We see this in the story of Krishna. Such a playful and, of course, in the life of Sri and the mother. The mother from morning till night, if you look at her routine, she is full of that joy, laughter, music, games, playing games, plenty of games with the disciples. Which included once, ring number of time, but I know about one instance when someone told me, Ringa Ringa Roses, in a room. Can't imagine. Now, of course, we can make them very grave. Sometimes even when we speak about them, the voice becomes very grave. When we say something that Shurabindra has written, it's as if, you know, he is like a serious stern judge. But they used to, she has played with children. She used to play many games. Except one game when somebody said, you become a horse and I am going to ride over you. She said, no my child, this I can't become, obviously. <laughs> Divine ki garima hai. Divine can't do that. But all kinds of games, including someone who suddenly said, uh, was um, in front of mother and said, Mother, I am an Asura and she became like Durga and <laughs> put herself over this man. said, in that case, uh, I am the slayer of Asura. So all kinds of game. She has played with Krishna. She speaks about it with the gods. Um, even with such humor. I mean, that's a whole chapter. Um, you know, when some of these gods came and told her, but we love music. And each one was showing his own musical instrument that uh, I do this and I play this. So, the divine is full of that delight of existence. And therefore, he has a sense of humor. We have turned into a grave and invariably serious character. And he may find it very amusing to come and embrace an unbeliever. Someone who has only the day before declared, God does not exist, I do not believe him in, in him all that is folly and ignorance. He gathers him into his arms, 
he presses him to his heart and he laughs in his face and we know these stories Saul of Tarsus is one example Angulimal is another and there are some very interesting conversations in his own life i mean we know how when niroda came and there was a discussion because he was sort of buddhist and the mother she, she was serious that mother will ask me all about god and all but i don't know anything i have not read any scripture but mother didn't ask she just asked him about general how was your life there and what did you study in england all this she asked and when he goes then in the train he had this mind blowing experience of seeing the mother everywhere he says it was so difficult he was almost saying no no i i mean <laughs> it is too much <laughs> seeing you everywhere so number of instances we know in shurbinder and the mother's own life where people came and they were either agnostic or not fully um, into the possibility and we know that how a part of his mind kept questioning and yet shurbinder would um, you know reveal like dara dara didn't believe that uh, god is everywhere and shurbinder reveals to him and uh, dilip kumar roy was another classic example that he would uh, when he would sing bhajans in maya shodas presence uh, krishna prem was also there and she would see krishna by his side now dilip kumar roy would not ex- uh, experience and he would not believe and so he would ask she said yes she said but why don't i see he says well <laughs> you have to check it out with krishna and um, we know that one day he almost uh, said mother i want to have an experience mother says okay at this this time you meditate so uh, he was in some in his room and he started meditating and suddenly his heart started palpitating fast and he had he broke into sweats and there was a tremendous fear gripping him and so he just uh, came out of the meditation he, he abandoned it then he asked the mother what happened mother said you were so much full of fear and doubt the moment i would press into you to give you an experience your whole being was reacting and resisting so this is how uh, the divine works he does not see our outer beliefs and non beliefs but acts according to a different will and wisdom everything is possible even things which to our small and limited intelligence seem absurd so all this to tell us that divine acts in an infinite freedom and we should not try to fix him or his action by the limited human mind namaste